Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Marking the second anniversary of the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act, what it has accomplished so far. Meanwhile, GM workers, the first to approve the new UAW contract. And today on the show, the United Association's Director of Education and Training and the latest from the Alliance for Retired Americans. Welcome to the Friday, November 17th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Raymond Boyd will be our first guest on the show today. He serves as Director of Education and Training for one powerful union. That would be the United Association. UA.org is their website. Now, Ray was appointed as Director of that position at the beginning of this year, and he came there with a wealth of experience. He served as the Assistant Director of Education and Training for the UA since 2019. In that role, he was responsible for overseeing and administering the UA's broad array of training policies and programs. He was responsible for curriculum development, administering the uh, department's grant program. He also spearheaded the UA's Apprentice Selection Project, which seeks to identify the best practices for recruitment, evaluation, and the selection of new apprentices. Most recent ongoing projects, chairing the UA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group, which is tasked with promoting greater diversity in training operations. We're seeing that all through the trades. And get this, uh, two years ago, Ray received an appointment by the Secretary of Labor, who was Marty Walsh at the time, to serve on the Advisory Committee on Apprenticeship. And that was for a two-year term. And the whole idea there was to provide advice and recommendations to Marty on matters facing the registered apprenticeship system. And he comes out of Philadelphia, local 690, began his career in 1988 when he attended plumbing classes at night while also working full-time. After working for a small company for a year performing residential service work, he entered into the apprenticeship program of Local 690, of which he has been a proud member for 33 years. So we'll talk about the uh, situation with recruitment and organizing. We'll also touch on the Veterans in uh, Piping program. And we did a whole show on that yesterday with the director of that program, Mike Hazard. If you missed it, just go to uh, AWF Podcast. And, of course, we'll get into a diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this pretty much wraps up what we've been doing on the show for National Apprenticeship Week. This is the ninth annual National Apprenticeship Week. It started in uh, 2015 under the Obama administration. And today, actually, the national focus is on veterans and federal employees And I want to tell you, the current administration has done a whole lot with regard to registered apprenticeships. 
The administration has developed more than 7,100 new programs. They've welcomed more than 12,000 new employer partners into those programs. And this has resulted in the hiring of more than 1.3 million apprentices, which includes more than 350,000 apprentices from ages 16 to 24, 200,000 Hispanic, 130,000 women, 118,000 black apprentices. Talk about diversity. There you have it. Rich Fiesta will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans, retiredamericans.org. And what we're pretty much going to do here is clear up the, the misconceptions by some political candidates about Social Security. And in the last couple of debates, there were some comments that Social Security will go bankrupt. Well, that's not the case. That's not the case. It does need to be fixed. And you have heard me talk on this show many, many times about scrapping the cap. And right now, when you uh, pay into Social Security, you stop paying at a certain amount, which I gee, I don't know what it is right now, $170,000, something like that. But they want that to increase. Groups like the Alliance want that to increase to strengthen Social Security. Former President Trump has also been quoted as uh, possibly slashing Social Security, cutting entitlement programs altogether. And uh, Ron DeSantis voted to raise the retirement age and privatize Social Security. So we'll run all this down with uh, Rich Fiesta. Now look into the world of labor. The segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Well, this was a very significant week in labor history. Wednesday, this past Wednesday, two days ago, Mark the second anniversary of the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act. That invested $1.2 trillion, $550 billion of it, new spending in roads, water systems, electrical grids, broadband, bridges, and so on. So far, so far, that act has seen the start of more than 37,000 projects across the country. Bridges, airports, supply chain projects underway, creating hundreds of thousands of jobs. The Democrats emphasize that they are delivering on the things that make people's lives easier. And the White House listed a number of Republicans who voted against the measure only to boast of the benefits of what's happening now. This has happened all the time. I didn't vote for it, but I do like what's happening. Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, said in a video in which he echoed the tagline of the administration, the great news is we're just getting started. Buttigieg went on to say the investment in infrastructure is part of what has created a booming U.S. economy. And he pointed out that the growth in the U.S. is far better than in Europe or China. United Auto Workers Union members have voted to approve a new contract with General Motors, making the company the first Detroit automaker to get a ratified deal that could end a very contentious labor dispute. The vote was 54% in favor. Now, yesterday, the contract had a big lead in voting at Ford and Stellantis. Ratification was leading at Ford 
by more than 10,000 votes with 66% of ballots in favor. At Stellantis, the lead was over 5,700 with 66.5% voting for the deal. Now, the voting will continue at Ford through early tomorrow with only two large factories in the Detroit area and some smaller facilities left to be counted. At Stellantis, three Detroit area factories were the only large plants yet to vote, with tallies expected to be complete by next Tuesday. At GM, about 46,000 workers were eligible to vote on the deal and about 36,000 cast ballots. That's pretty interesting. 10,000 people didn't vote. Of the four GM plants that went on strike... Workers at only a large SUV factory, this was in Arlington, Texas, approved the contract. Workers in Wentzville, Missouri, Lansing, Delta Township, Michigan, and Spring Hill, Tennessee voted it down. Workers said that longtime employees at GM were not happy that they did not get larger pay increases like newer workers, and they wanted a bigger increase in their pensions, so that's why they voted in that direction. Meanwhile, more good news for the uh, UAW. Workers at the Brooklyn Museum, which are members of UAW Local 2110, they have voted overwhelmingly to ratify their first contract. This happened uh, just two days ago, right before the union had set to strike. We are thrilled to have finally reached this agreement with the museum. That comment from Elizabeth St. George who's an assistant curator of decorative arts. She went on to say, I will now have the opportunity to do the work I love at a museum. I love in a workplace with union rights. The union, again, that's 2110 UAW, have been in talks for a first contract since January of 2022. And they held repeated protests at the museum over its low-wage offer and unfair labor practices. Workers announced there was a strike deadline two weeks ago. The new three-and-a-half-year contract, get this, boosting pay by over 23% over the life of the contract, raises minimum pay rates, and guaranteeing annual increases. The contract also reduces the employee's share of health premium costs, expands eligibility for health care benefits to part-time staff, averaging 20 hours per week and establishes an annual $50,000 set aside for professional development. Now, do you think any of that would have happened without the union, especially the UAW? Boy, they are on a roll this year. All right, quick break. When we come back, the Director of Education and Training for the United Association. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. 
That's liuna.org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit bacweb.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to our first guest, I want to do a shout-out here to the group that I was with last night. It was the annual Unsung Heroes of the Labor Movement Dinner, which was sponsored by the United Labor Agency, one of our sponsors here on America's Workforce with uh, Dave Meganhart. Great team that he has there, and they put together a wonderful event. And we highlighted 10 individuals who did unbelievable work in the community, whether it's political organizing maybe doing some tutoring. We had several teachers there, but it was a great event. Len DeCosimo spoke. We had Len on the show on Monday. Len is the head of the Musicians Union in Cleveland and also head of the uh, North Shore Federation of Labor. And uh, Dave spoke, Len spoke, and I want to give a shout-out here. We had a lot of UAW locals there. Local 1005, 1050, 1250, local 70. NEO Cap Workers United was also there. Teamsters Local 507. Let's see. The Berea Federation of Teachers. Ask Me Ohio Council 8 and AFGE Local 3283. They were a lot of the sponsors that made up the event. And what a fun time. The food was great. Music was great. They were playing classic rock. It was a good time. I had a blast. Anyway, let's go to uh, line number one. And welcome back to the show. It's been a long time. Ray Boyd is his name. He is the Director of Education and Training for the United Association. And uh, the website, real simple, UA, 
dot org. There's a lot of information on that website. I mean, a ton of information. You can spend a couple of hours just checking out that website. And today, we're going to talk about uh, recruitment, organizing. We'll touch on the uh, veterans and piping program and diversity. This is a national issue: diversity in the trades. It's it's and it's working. It's working. Ray Boyd, how we doing, my brother? I'm doing so good, my friend. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm glad to be back on the show with you. And like you said, it has been a long time. So thank you for this this opportunity to speak with you. And speaking of long times, I forgot that you entered the plumbing industry. My God, 1988. That's a long, long time ago. <laughs> if you don't mind, I mean, we, we get new listeners to the show all the time, and we're trying to drive people into the trades and in this case it's the the pipe trades and uh we always say it's a pathway to the middle class there's no doubt about that there's a lot of jobs out there and they're good jobs good paying jobs with great benefits with pensions okay take me back to the the late 80s there as far as your journey into the trades what, what now did you have family members involved somebody said hey ray boyd i, I got a I got this local over here. That would be, what, uh, Local 690, and this was in Philadelphia. Maybe you ought to check them out. Take me back to that time, Ray. I certainly will. Thank you. Um, I needed to do something with my life. Uh, I was a member of the United Food and Commercial Workers Union at that time. Um, But I was first generation when I joined Plumbers Union Local 690. Um, I tried college, bounced around a little bit, found out that it wasn't for me. And I enjoyed working with my hands and and uh, looked into the plumbing and, and heating industry and really started to enjoy it. And, and, and I was fortunate. Somebody grabbed me by the coattail and, and told me about a plumber's union. Growing up in the area that I grew up in, like I said, I was first generation. I had no idea that there were trades unions. Even though I was a member of a union, I didn't know that trades unions existed. And I think that that's one of the things that we've gotten so much better at. But my story, I took a small plumbing course on my own and really enjoyed it. And I was fortunate, again, like I said, that a gentleman told me about the Plumbers Union. And he said, you know what, you should apply to them. And I did and picked up the application and fortunately passed their entry exam. And I became an apprentice plumber out of Philadelphia. And um, I'm going into my... 35th year as a proud member of Plumbers Union Local 690 in the city of Philadelphia, but also a 35-year proud United Association member. And like you said, Flash, it is the way to the middle class, but it also gives you a career and not a job. Mm -hmm. These careers that the trades offer, you can take anywhere in the world, not just the country, Anywhere in the world, and I'll just give you a brief example. I've had the opportunity in this new position that I'm in to travel to Africa this year and to travel to Germany to help with their plumbing infrastructure and to give them ideas on what we do and how we do it here in the United States. And that realistically has allowed my career to come full circle. So that's a little bit about how I got started and what the trade means to me and um, what I'm trying to give back to the trade. Africa and Germany. That's pretty impressive, Ray. Can you uh, can you reflect on that? How did, how how was the reception when you went there? 
The reception was very well. The Germany trip was a trip where we took a group of apprentices that have done different things around the world. That was with the, the World Plumbing Council, and there was, they had a they had a plumbing challenge where they built projects, and we found an area in Frankfurt, Germany, that was in dire need of plumbing upgrades. So we used our expertise and allowed our apprentices to collaborate together, build the projects, and then go and install what they built. So it's giving back to the community. Um, The second trip to Rwanda was, again, along with the World Plumbing Council, and we went over there to help educate them on their plumbing infrastructure. We did a five-day training. We had, on average, 139 students in the class every day and basically teaching them how to understand the dire need for clean drinking water and proper disposal of sanitation. And it was probably more rewarding for me and my colleagues to be over there to see how engaged the students were to want to make their communities better. Mm-hmm. Boy, that had to be an eye-opener for you. I'm just wondering, is that going to foster more types of visits in other countries? Because I would imagine there's had to be some discussion about how successful that was. Maybe we could take this somewhere else. Is any of that happening right now, Ray? As a matter of fact, it is. We're looking at different projects throughout the United States and also throughout the world where we can take our expertise and sit down and um, – give them some of the ideas and things that for lack of a better term, we take for granted, you know, Mm -hmm. um, we are fortunate to be able to, you know, get up in the morning and just go to our faucet and feel as though the water that we're drinking or bathing in is safe. And that's, that's not like that everywhere. It's not like that every place in the United States. And those are the things that the United association is trying to really focus on and give back. Let's talk about uh, recruitment and organizing, if you will, because it's it's important. There's a lot of jobs out there, now, especially in central Ohio. My gosh, this this Intel plant, uh, Dorsey Hager, who's the head of the trades over there in central Ohio, is talking about how much water a plant like Intel. It's like it's like five million gallons a day. I'm, and that's just one plant. And I'm just wondering, this has, and you're seeing these pop up all over because I was just talking about the results of the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Job Act, which became a law two years ago this week. It was uh, Wednesday that it uh, it passed in our Congress, and then Biden immediately signed it. But uh, we're seeing some really good things happen in the country. That's got to open up a lot of opportunities for the U.A. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I certainly can. We have a organizing team with the United Association led by Director Jim Tucker. And we scour the entire United States. As a matter of fact, they just did a major blitz in the Maryland area yesterday where he brings organizers from across the country and they target areas to open up opportunities for people to join the United Association. Our recruitment and outreach coordinator is Ms. Laura Seha, and she does a fabulous job 
of scouring the country, connecting with the American school counselors, job fairs at FFA and Skills USA. We are in every corner of this country trying to open up our doors for people that want to be in the trades. Our numbers have grown to 370,000 members to date, and we are out there looking for more men and women that want to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned a website of ours earlier. If anybody listening to this podcast knows anyone that's interested, they can go to ua.org slash join, and they will get information on all of the trades that fall under the United Associations umbrella. Yesterday we were talking with Mike Hazard. Mike heads the uh, Veterans and Piping Program for the uh, UA, and I know you, you've you been working with him. You know him really well, and they've been targeting the veteran population, and he uh, informed me in 15 years they've been able to uh, bring in well over 3,000 veteran, veterans into uh, into the uh, pipe trades. Uh, I'm just wondering, that, that, that's got to f- make you feel pretty darn good that, I mean, here's people that served our country, they developed this program, and it wasn't easy. I mean, he was telling me how the lawyers got involved and say, "Wait, you can't do this on a military base." And so they had to change the law. It was a it was a great story, but you know, persistence paid off. They got the program going, and here here it is today. I'd like to get your comments on on the veterans and piping program. It's absolutely amazing to be able to welcome our veterans, our men and women that have served our country proudly. When they're transitioning out of the military, they know that there are options where they can provide for their families. There's, there, there's a career option. There's an organization that is welcoming to them and wants to train them. One of the benefits, I believe, and I think the UA is, is actually the benefactor of this, these men and women are coming out and they're already leaders. They already know how to be a part of a team. They have a skill set that is innate. It doesn't have to be taught. So we have benefited from that. And like I said, under the leadership of Mike Hazard, who does a phenomenal job with his administrative assistant, Nicole Jupe, in making sure that Our men and women that are transitioning out of the military get treated with the respect, have all of the necessary resources that they need as they're transitioning out, and fully understand the construction industry and what the UA family is all about. It's been amazing to watch these veterans transition and the leadership roles that they're taking over and that they're that they're stepping into with the UA to sit back and watch it is absolutely amazing. It's one of the best programs that the UA has to offer. No doubt. Ray Boy, Director of Education and Training for the United Association, UA.org. And let me throw out the website for the Veterans and Piping Program, UAVIP.org, UAVIP.org. 
org. We'll continue with Ray later in the show. We're going to check in with Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, oh.aft.org. We'll have Melissa Cropper on the show uh, next Tuesday. Right now, let's go back to our live line, rejoin Ray Boyd. Ray is the Director of Education and Training for the United Association. Again, the website, ua.org. And he's had that position since uh, the beginning of this year. Let me ask you, you were Assistant Director of Education and Training for about four years up to that uh, announcement. Uh, was this, the, the, was, did somebody leave that position? or, or what, well, How did that happen? How did that transition happen? Yeah, our previous director of education and training, James Pavisak, he retired after 42 years in the industry, 18 years with the United Association, and I became his assistant in 2019. Um, and when Jim announced his retirement, um, I was offered the position, uh, which started January 1 of 2023, and it, it has been um, an amazing ride. This this last year, uh, we are coming up on the end of the year, and um, 
I have to owe all of the um, accolades and kudos to my um, staff. We have an incredible ITF staff. ITF um, handles the education and training side of the United Association. I have a staff of about 34 employees, and um, they do certifications, registrations, curriculum development, financial and grant writing. Um, I have a I have a team of training specialists. Mike Hazard was one of those training specialists who who handled the country in different varying disciplines from pipe fitting to plumbing to welding to um, HVACR um, to sprinkler fitting. Um, so we have an amazing team. Um, Flash, I have to be honest, this has been probably one of the best years of my life and one of the most proudest years of my life being able to be the director of education and training for the United Association um, and being able to be that voice out there to to give people an opportunity um, to see themselves mm-hmm. in me. Um, you know, that's that's something that, you know, I hold near and dear to my heart as I as I move throughout the country and talk to young men and women about the UA. I want them to realistically be able to see themselves in me. And one mm-hmm. of the things that I wear as a badge of honor, I'm a plumber out of Philadelphia, and I'm extremely proud of that. And I want them to see where that can take them if they take this step and join the United Association or any other labor union for that matter. There are so many opportunities that you might not be able to see when you start your apprenticeship, but as you walk your way through it and understand that there are so many leadership opportunities where you can give back at the local level and at the international level and you position yourselves correctly, the sky's the limit. So I'm, yeah. I'm extremely fortunate, um, and and it's been an amazing year so far, and I can't can't wait until next year. Well, Ray, I want to focus on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I know that's uh, one of your current projects, and, and there's a national push. We've had Sean McGarvey on the show a number of times, and he is very, very focused on this issue and very passionate. He wants to make things happen, and things are happening, and we're seeing it happen, especially in the union shops. Uh, I'd like to get your take on what the UA is doing. Maybe you can give us some of the nuts and bolts of that, okay? Well, thank you for mentioning DEI. Um, It is really important to the United Association, and under the leadership of General President Mark McManus, he has allowed myself and a team of other UA employees to start a diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. we just partnered with the Mechanical Contractors Association and held a training at headquarters where we brought MCAA staff and UA staff together for a DEI training. We are extremely focused on opening up doors for women, people of color, people in underrepresented communities with the focus that DEI is not black and white. DEI is an opportunity to be inclusive to anyone that wants to be a part of our organization. And it takes some training to get to that point. We all understand we have biases. They might not necessarily be 
that we're trying to be a certain way. We have unconscious biases. A lot of that can be fixed through training. We partnered with a organization called Leadership Surge, led by Mr. Alex Willis, who does a phenomenal job of breaking down barriers and allowing us to understand our own unconscious bias when it comes to the way that we recruit, when it comes to the way that we interview, when it comes to the way that we organize, when it comes to the way that we manage our companies and our employees and the way that we carry ourselves. And our focus is making an inclusive and comfortable workplace with the understanding that our doors are open to anybody that wants to be a rank-and-file member of the United Association. Um, I'm extremely proud about it. Um, being a man of color, having an opportunity to to speak about diversity, equity, and inclusion from my perspective and how I've been um, brought up through the trades and seeing different things that have gone on and really witnessing the leadership of these organizations wanting to make a change and not tolerating some of the bullying and, and, and harassment and different things that have been allowed to go on in years past and making a conscious effort to want to change those things and making an inclusive workplace for everyone is one of the missions for the United Association. You know what I say on the show, you got to ignore the noise. There's a lot of noise out there, Ray. You know that, and and it's a bu- exactly. it's a bunch of garbage. It really is a bunch of garbage. You got to focus on the future. You got to focus on what brings people together, and that's what this is all about. And we got and we got to get more people of color, more women in the trades. How how are we faring on that? I I know moving maybe not as fast as you would like, but you, you got to have some goals. I mean, we're going into 2024 here. Can you uh, can you reference that at all? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because, as a matter of fact, the UA is doing a phenomenal job when it comes to recruiting women and people of color in the trades. We have a big event. You may have heard about it, and it's a NAB2 event. It's called Trades Women Build Nations, and it's going to be held December 1st to the 3rd in Washington, D.C. This is one of the largest trades women's events in the entire United States, and it continues to grow leaps and bounds when it comes to what we're doing as a recruitment. Um, I mentioned Laura Seha earlier in the program. She is one of the leaders of this movement. The UA, there there will be close to 3,000 union tradeswomen at this event, and the UA has the largest um group that is participating in this particular event and it there's classes and education on leadership and how you get into leadership roles retention and what that looks like when we talk about growing our numbers and i know you know this one of the toughest things is to retain membership and 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 you can have somebody go through an apprenticeship program and really truly want to be a part of that organization but there are a couple of factors that factor into them staying and, and being fortunate enough like myself to be a 35-year member of an organization that's being treated well, first and foremost, and being welcomed in, in that organization, and that's providing work opportunities and upward mobility. 
when we don't do that to a certain segment or population of our organization, they will naturally leave. They have to. We've gotten so much better at that, opening up doors for leadership and upward mobility to allow women and people of color to take on those roles that it's allowed our numbers to increase. Like I said, we're at 370,000. The mission of the general president of the United Association is to continue to grow that number. That's our goal. That's our pathway. And that's that's the direction that we're all pulling in. So we're extremely pleased about our, our, our numbers of, of recruiting, but but we're not stopping where we are when it comes to women yeah. and people. You know, I have to share with you a quick story. I wanted to do more for that conference coming up. And uh, it exploded. They, 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 they ran out of rooms in hotels. <laughs> I mean, they said, Flash, we can't talk about it anymore. We're already packed. <laughs> so obviously that message is getting through. That is a good thing. That is a good, that is a good problem. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. We are extremely excited with what they're doing. And I've been going to that conference since 2017. And when I tell you it has changed me and the way that I see the industry, I would I would recommend anybody, if you had the opportunity to go and see it and see the and see unionism on full display, it will change your whole perspective on 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 what it's about. Well, I think this is a great way to button up National Apprenticeship Week with with your comments. I'll tell you, I, I think it's so cool that here you are, 1988, you get involved in the pipe trades and look at look at what you're doing today, Director of Education and Training. The sky's the limit. That's the beauty of America. That is the beauty of America. You can do it. You put your mind to it. You get you 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 put that work ethic together and bingo, it happens. I love it, Ray. We got to talk some more, brother. I mean, I love having you on the show. Can we can we arrange more interviews with Ray Boyd? Absolutely, I would love to be on your show. Sit down and and dive into some other topics and things that we're doing and uh, some of the things that we have planned for the future of the United Association. So, anytime you need me, please reach out, and um, I would love to have a conversation with you. UA. Dot .org is the website. Do check that out. A lot of good information on there. You take care, brother. Have a wonderful holiday, and we'll talk down the road, okay? Please do the same, my friend. Have a terrific Thanksgiving. All right. We are going to take a quick break. Rich Fiesta heads the Alliance for Retired Americans, and he is coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Layuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Layuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Layuna. Find out what it takes for Layuna to keep America running at Layuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge, to safely connect our great cities along the lake. 
So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. Hey, this is Sean McGarvey, and I'm president of North America's Building Trades Unions, and I'm a proud listener of America's Workforce. I love this podcast. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers. Standing strong. And fighting for what's right. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. All right, let's go to Washington, D.C. and join Rich Fiesta. Rich is executive director of the Alliance for Retired Americans. RetiredAmericans.org is their website. You can check them out on Facebook at Retired Americans. Rich Fiesta, you know, I was just thinking about uh, Congress, I guess. Well, there's no there's no shutdown. That That's a good thing. Today was a shutdown day, and apparently they carved this deal out. A uh, couple of people, you, you know who I'm talking about. They went home. They're very unhappy. But it's the least performing Congress so far since the Great Depression. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I think it's like twenty-one pieces of legislation. And what are these guys making? <laughs> I think two hundred thousand dollars a year. We're paying them that amount of money, and nothing is getting done. Nothing, you know, a lot of noise, a lot of noise. I mean, that you know, as a taxpayer, you got to be pretty frustrated about that, Mister Fiesta. <laughs> Yeah, I think as a taxpayer and any concerned citizen, we ought to be. You know, it, as you said, 21 pieces. Thank God there are new signs on post offices around the country, you know, uh, <laughs> named for worthy people. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, look, Harry Truman was dead in the water, and he ran a race in 48 against the do-nothing Congress. Remember, 80th, the do-nothing Congress. And like you said, even before that, this is even uh, a low level of production well one thing is for sure we have to protect social security and medicare and apparently we've got some uh, candidates on the republican side that they they're coming around saying it's gonna go bankrupt in a in a couple of years why in the next decade i guess why don't you uh why don't you refresh our listeners on what's being said and what the real truth is about Social Security. Can you uh, can you touch on that for us? Sure, Flash. I mean, watching that Republican debate last week on the question of whether or not the candidates won, wanted to or would 
raise the retirement age and the cringing answers that came out of people, uh, just, just flat out ignorance of what Social Security is and how it works. First, number one, you're wrong, Nikki Haley. Social Security will not go bankrupt in 10 years. It will, unless Congress does something about it, like raising the cap, uh, making the wealthier pay their more fair share, not have enough money to pay full benefits. So, because money is coming in and out every day from our payroll taxes into the Social Security system. Bankrupt means there's no money left. There obviously will be money with 150 million people working and putting into it. So that was like myth and false statement number one. Now, as you know, we at the Alliance and the labor movement support strengthening and expanding Social Security, and the best way to do that is to bring more revenue into it by by scrapping this artificial earnings cap where 4% of wage earners get a holiday and the rest of us pay, you know, paycheck after paycheck through the whole year. What is that threshold right now when you stop paying into Social Security? Yeah, for 2023, it is $160,200. And uh, it will go up uh, into 24, a few thousand dollars too. But right now, 160200 And above that, you pay zero. Zero. And you said there's 4% of our population that falls into that category. So once they get to that threshold, they don't pay into Social Security? Right. Unlike Medicare, where you pay the 1.45% on every dollar from one to infinity. Now, have you ever figured out, okay, let's, let's take that away. What if it's just like Medicare? I mean, what will that do to the, the coffers of Social Security, Rich? Well, there were several um, proposals for a number of years in Congress of where to scrap the cap. Do you stop? Start, excuse me, at the 16200 or Bernie Sanders has a bill in that you pick it up again at 250 John Larson in the House, the leading expander on Social Security, has it at 400000 You start picking it up again. It will then bring in new revenue, obviously, uh, to the Social Security Trust Fund. And uh, under the Sanders bill, because it starts a little lower to 50,000, uh, it will extend the life of the trust fund from the 2000, mid 2030s into about the 2060s or 70s. The uh, Larson built 400,000 into the 2050s. So these are all, you know, common sense things that should be done. Is there any traction on these uh, pieces of legislation that you're talking about? Well, uh, the Larson bill had uh, nearly uh, half the House when the Democrats were in control in the last Congress to uh, as co-sponsors, uh, and the Sanders bill has, um, I think, majority uh, of the Senate Democratic Caucus uh, as well. So momentum is gaining, uh, obviously, with a bunch of privatizers and cutters controlling the U.S. House now. Nothing's going to happen in this Congress. But should the Democrats keep the Senate and win the House back after the 24 elections, I think we're seeing much more momentum about doing something, yes. Well, you you mentioned privatizers. Well, one of them is Ron DeSantis, who is the governor of Florida and is one of the uh, GOP presidential candidates. Now, here's the part that I don't understand. 
when he was a congressman, he voted to raise the retirement age and privatize Social Security. Now, Rich, the last time I checked, there's a lot of seniors that live in Florida. I mean, (laughs) they often decide to migrate south when they retire and go to Florida. I don't even understand how that how that can can happen or how they can support somebody like that uh, can is there an answer to that or not um no i'm on social security and a whole bunch of other issues uh, ron DeSantis is just a blind ideologue uh without really examining uh the positions that he takes yeah raising the retirement age uh which poll after poll for 20 years shows regardless of your what age you are or what party or ideology you subscribe to the american people are 85 to 90 percent in poll after poll against the raising of the retirement age for example but you know some of these true believers in government can do nothing right so you know stick to ideas and like you said he voted three times as a member of congress to raise the retirement age unbelievable yeah and then there's trump now where's trump on it because i've i've heard him say well you can't mess with social security but then again (laughs) can you believe him uh, yeah, he, from 2015 in his campaign onward, has always done the old soft shoe tap dance uh, about Social Security, about, oh, don't raise, da 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 But while he was president, he put forth budgets that severely cut the Social Security Administration and its operation, put a privatizer as the Social Security Commissioner, who was all about private accounts, and also uh, severely cut the disability program uh, budget-wise as well. Oh, boy, this is going to be an interesting year. Are, are you geared up? Are you ready for 2024? You know it's going to be pretty nasty, Rich. Oh, exactly. As one former candidate said, we're fired up and ready to go. Uh, worked in 2008, and we're ready for 2024. I, you can feel it out there, and these recent elections around the country this November showed it. Uh, the, yeah. the Democrats did really well uh, across the country. Yeah, yeah. And those of you listening right now, the Alliance does a great job. We were talking about voting records. If you go to retiredamericans.org, you will find out how your respective member of Congress, Senate, House, how they voted on issues that concern you, okay? As a retired American, I'm talking about. Retiredamericans.org. Do check that out. Rich, you take care. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in December, okay, brother? That's right. And best to you and yours, Flash, too. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, Jeff Stouffer will be joining us on behalf of the American Legion. That more. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.